Hello, I'm Ono Murku, and welcome to season two of Reimagining Capital Projects, a podcast series that explores the impact of innovation and evolving technologies on the capital project, infrastructure, and wider real estate sectors. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by two new guests, Megan Higgins, a director in PwC's Customer Insight and Retail Analytics team, who specialise in machine learning, and Gary Martin, head of strategy at the Crown Estate's central London office, who managed 10 million square feet of mixed-use space in the heart of London's West End. Welcome to you both. Thanks very much. Great to be here. So as you're only both too aware, data shapes most of our day-to-day decisions. Gary, I'm keen to understand how this is impacting the real estate sector from your point of view, particularly within the Crown Estates. I think one of the interesting things about data-based decision-making is that in the real estate industry, that actually hasn't always been the case. There's a lot of relationships that come into play, and the actual amount of data that you use is, has tended to be pretty small. And real estate, as in general, as an industry, has benefited from that asymmetry of information. And that's really changing a lot and quite quickly right now. So what are, what are some of these key changes you're seeing? So in terms of the, uh, as an example, in the, in the capital markets, we're now going to be able to get a much more granular level of information about what's happening in, in live time, what's happening in the market, what's happening in the occupier side of things, uh, what businesses are doing well. And previously it was just a rent, uh, rent schedule and a tenancy schedule. Megan, you kind of specialize in the retail sector. Is, is this, are these trends similar in that space? Yeah, so I think that consumer habits and their preferences have massively changed in the last few years. And the way that people use the world, whether they use digital, the way that they use space, people require their world to be more connected like they are and to have that space be more flexible. So they're less reliant on places, but they expect the experience to be the same everywhere at home and also at work. And then when they're out and about in, you know, in their leisure life. So leisure and retail and food and beverage, that, the way that space is being used has to change to be in line with what customers expect. And that's just hygiene in their day-to-day lives now. It's not a difference between work and home. It, it's just experience. I think that, Megan, that's kind of indicative of probably the single biggest overriding trend that's happening in the real estate sector as a whole. And it's the shift away from seeing real estate as a traditional asset class with stable and growing income streams uh, and seeing it more as a conduit for delivering an experience and a service for people. And it's that focus on people, be it the employees in a building, the consumers on the street or any visitors, and focusing on the impacts it has on their behavior and the business outcomes. Yeah, it's not just an asset, it's an enabler now, isn't it? Absolutely, as being driven by a whole wide range of structural factors, like technology, the business cycle is a big part of it, the the knowledge economy and the the changing nature of work, and then of course, health and well-being, sustainability and, and omni-channel retailing. Yeah. That's really interesting because even just thinking back when I started in, in the workplace a decade ago, work-life balance has become even more blurred and your experience of what you experience at home and you're in, in interfacing with technology in the workplace. It's all merging. I'm just curious from your point of view, even from the real estate sector, Gary, what's happening in that space and how, how are you kind of harnessing that sort of opportunity that's there? Yeah, I think one of the thing, big things is that it means that real estate value is no longer just about delivering buildings in a specific location but it's much more about how you operate that space and how you create um, experience and service and ease the friction for the people on the ground and the level of service and the uh, different uses that you put into that. And it's incre- real estate value is increasingly driven by the people and the experience and the behavior that they have. And uh, the co-working and flexible side of things is probably one of the biggest themes in the market right now. And data is so important in terms of being able to understand 
what people are doing in their workspace. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned user experience because that's really a term that's come to the, the fore in the last like three or four years in my view. Megan, in the retail sector, how, how are you kind of managing that expectation that these users or people are having when they go into um, their local supermarket or their local um, shopping centre? Yeah, so I think that real estate certainly has a lot to learn from retail and how they've used data. And, you know, retailers have so much data at their fingertips, but equally consumers have so much more data at their fingertips today. So they are far more connected, they're hyper-connected than, than we've ever been. So the, it's key for retailers to be able to deliver that customer expectation and make their shopping experience an inspirational journey that they'll repeat, which means focusing less on the transaction and focusing more on the end-to-end -end experience from the time that they walk through the door. Everything about that space, you know, they need to be able to go to the toilets, so the services, facilities, be connected on Wi-Fi, accept different types of payments. Um, so it's completely changed the environment of, of retail. And the way that retailers use data is they start to understand those consumer habits and behaviours, therefore their preferences, which helps them drive what type of store they have where, what type of format, the facilities. And then you go into shopping centres and also areas like central London, and you really start to see the relationship between consumer behaviour and the environment. Because I guess what they're really trying to do is drive footfall in a way, because what is to stop me from buying something online as opposed to going to the shop? And it's that user experience you get there, isn't it? Yeah, and I think the more connected we become technically, the more human that we have to make the experience um, to kind of balance it out. Because at the end of the day, whilst we're still on, you know, everyone's on their phones, however many, 23 hours a day, at the end of the day, it's all about that consumer touch point, the human element, and that's where the real estate space really plays an important part in retail still today. And I, I guess that's really interesting. So just drawing that outside even more, um, if you look back 15, 20 years ago, I guess that information really wasn't there from a data um, perspective. But now we have so many data points from, I guess, credit cards, mobile phones, even um, travel habits, um, it's all there. How is that being used in the retail and maybe even in the uh, real estate sectors to kind of inform decision making? So. Uh, you're absolutely right, there is so much more data. Um, I think I heard a statistic the other day that you walk around with a minimum of 3,000 data points on you at any, point one, any one point in time. The challenge is how you use that information and drive the insights from that and understanding what the relationship of the cause and effect in the causal relationship is. Um, and I think that that's probably the biggest challenge in, in any industry is to really glean the insights from that and then make the tangible change. And where I think the challenge is for real estate, typically it's been you know, a relatively, um, I guess, stable environment where it's very difficult to change. But I think the challenge is, is that as the consumer expectations change and retail environment changes, can the real estate and the physical infrastructure be flexible to change at the same time? And the data helps understand and forecast what that might look like in the future. You mentioned uh, learning from other sectors and, and retail being a great example of that. I think for in the, in the workplace, we look to the hospitality sector a lot, hotels and, and, and leisure. And they're doing some great things in that, that industry about looking at what people really want the experience on the ground to be and how they can change the nature of the, the layout of the floor plan or the layout of rooms and furniture and how the impact that that will ultimately have on people. And so that's something that's really at the forefront of our mind in, in the workspace. And we now have a much greater level of information and data and insight that's coming through occupancy sensors. And so now you, you go into a, a lot of uh, workspaces and they'll have sensors under every desk and every uh, meeting room. And that's not about monitoring people, that's about monitoring usage so that you can make the 
uh, get the most out of every square foot of that really valuable space. I think it's a really interesting example you've drawn the comparison there with the hospitality sector because it really it's about that drives that experience and it makes it not just a place to go to work but a place to almost hang out, have a coffee and sort of network as well and it's a place to socialise and it becomes a wider use case for the, for the asset. I'm just keen to know, Megan, um, from, from your time here at PwC, is there any sort of examples where we can draw out where this has been actually applied in practice from we've helped people along the line to deliver this kind of environment? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the best example is um, there's a, a, a company that we work with called New West End Company, who's a business improvement district, and they're responsible for um, representing the interests of the owners and occupiers um, in the West End covering Bond, Oxford, Regent Street, which is obviously the, the Crown Estates um, land and then 74 streets surrounding. And we did a study last year for New West End Company as a pilot, roll out a wider program, and we did it on Bond Street. And we analyzed um, spend data, mobile network data, global travel data, and then TFL um, travel data. And the insights that we derived from that were around, you know, who's using the area, how do they use the area, what time of the day, how long do they spend in the area, uh, what nationality are they, age, affluence, it's all on an anonymized um, basis. So th the point of this is for placemaking and experience, not to directly target customers or market to them. But from that, we were able to take tangible insights, such as we saw that you know the number, e equal second spend on the street came from um, the Japanese customers on the international side. It was mostly a domestic market, but the Japanese had the second highest spend of international customers. So what that told the retailers on Bond Street is that if you know, they could increase their customer experience by having a Japanese speaker in store. Equally, through the mobile network data, we saw that there is a, a large group of customers that are on the street post seven o'clock. Now the trading hours are from 10 to seven on Bond Street. So actually, if we lobby with Westminster Council to increase those trading hours, how much more could the revenue increase if the retailers were able to stay open past seven o'clock? And then from that, we can start to infer the types of customers that are visiting the area and therefore what services and facilities um, would, be would improve the loyalty and the experience in the area. And what we're doing um, this year with New West End Company and the Crown Estate is part of that as well, is working with all of the members of New West End Company across those 74 streets to pull all of that information together and profile who shops in the West End and how they use it. And one of the key things that we'll be doing is what's called network analysis. And what that will allow us to do from the actual physical location of the stores is understand the strength of the relationships between the various brands. And from a real estate perspective, we can use that data to start to model and forecast the impact of a particular brand not being there. So we identify anchor stores and therefore you can start to use that data to say, well, if this key node didn't exist, what would that do to the rest of the area? That's, that's hugely, hugely powerful. Yeah, that's yeah. hugely, hugely powerful. And I guess, Gary, from your perspective, is there any ways that this can be applied to like, your sector in particular? Well, I think one of the interesting things about the study uh, with New West End Company last year is it disseminated and dispelled some myths that were just generally held for a long period of time, uh, such as the the nature of uh, the demographic nature of the of the shopper on Bond Street and it being actually a, a majority of domestic consumers. And if you'd asked anyone in the industry, we wouldn't have had any data to back it up, but our gut would have just been it was predominantly uh, overseas visitors. So there, that was a really important, compelling piece of, of, of data that just allowed us to look at the activity that we do, we undertake on a day-to-day on -day basis a little bit differently. And then in similarly applying those same concepts to the workplace, understanding how people move, what people are actually spending their time doing. Because 
we know from a whole series of studies that what people say they do and what people actually do is very different. And so we're looking at where are the hot spots in an office and how do you make sure that the, the desks or the meeting rooms or the, um, the breakout areas are laid out in a, in a way that maximizes interaction, networking, collaboration, and then also gives people the opportunity to, to work quietly if that's what they want to do. These are some of the things that we've never been able to do without data that we have now. Yeah, and it's, it's, I think the important thing to note is, you know, retailers do use data really well and, and some less so, but the application of data and modelling can be applied to any industry. Um, mm -hmm. So you just need to know how to, how to use it. And, you know, as an example, the network analysis I spoke about in the, in the real estate context for, you know, for Regent Street as an example, you can apply the same thing to where people are physically located in an office versus how often they email different departments. So that email connection is your network. Would you be better off moving the people that constantly email each other next to each other? So it's reconfiguring the workplace completely based on the actual activity within the workplace. It's getting those percentage efficiencies across the board to really to drive value. And I have never heard a better example of data-driven insights than what you've just described. It's really, really fascinating at how all those connected nodes and how the whole the moving parts can get really true yeah. value. And Gary, I'm keen to know how is this challenge being undertaken in the real estate sector? Is it, are, are they up for the task? Is, is it something that can be done? We're absolutely up for the task, but the, the challenge for most traditional real estate owners and developers is that none of this comes naturally. It's an entirely different skill set, and uh, often the activities are somewhat contrary to the traditional practice of maximizing efficiency and densification and capturing value, as much value as you can on day one. And so it to make decisions about investment development or indeed what Megan's talking about which is all about asset management and public realm investment that looks really different than what we've done in the past and that gut reaction we have it requires a really solid evidence uh, evidence base and data uh, which we just don't have enough history yet uh, but the great thing about the the study with NUAC was that it provided started providing some of that insight that allows us to make our decisions a little bit different about what retailers we may put in different places or how we may lay out the, the public space. And I guess as Megan said, it's, it's not about just getting the data, it's about making sense of that data. Is that fair, Megan? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's a challenge for um, every industry is, is finding the talent that, that can yeah. do that. But also the cultural change within an organization mm -hmm. to trust that data. Um, so, you know, my advice is to, is to start small, don't try to boil the ocean, um, because it, it, is, it is difficult, but very soon, much like digital has become hygiene in our everyday lives, you know, millennials have grown mm -hmm. up not knowing anything other than a digital world, data-driven insights will at some point become hygiene, so people either need to start adopting it or fall behind. And I, I guess that's really a good opportunity for me now to ask Gary, really, what, what does the future hold, in your view, for the, the real estate and maybe the wider retail sector around data and how we're going to use this going forward? I think Megan makes a, a great point that it's not about data itself. It's about the insight that it provides and the ability to improve the user experience or the operations uh, on the ground for people. And I think that's the really the, the big thing that the industry needs to get its head around is data in itself is not valuable. Uh, but I think one of the biggest challenges for the industry right now is, is around construction and the, the nature of the built environment. Uh, you know, buildings and planning have 10, 15 year life cycles, if not 50 to 100 years. And in a world where the user experience and customer expectations and capabilities are changing on a day-to-day -day basis, not, if not weekly, how do you respond to that in an asset class that has 10, 15, 50-year life cycles? 
And the answer and the solution kind of has to be that you build in the technical technological capabilities behind the scenes, behind those great architectural, beautiful buildings. You build in the, the capabilities for them to operate more like software. And driving those insights on a day-to-day -day basis until you can identify the next trend and, and, and adapt the building to, that, to suit the need in the future, basically, is that what you're saying? Yeah, using those buildings to create an amazing, rich data, uh, data set uh, that has all sorts of information that we currently can't even actually get our head around. And then, as Megan says, employing and gaining the skills within our industry to make sense of that and to figure out what does that actually mean for how we design buildings, how we asset manage them, and how we uh, invest in them. I think that's a really exciting place to leave it for today's discussion. My, th my thanks to you both for taking part in it. It was really, really enjoyable and really insightful in terms of how data is driving insights going forward within both real estate, retail, and actually the wider industry as a whole. I, I find it really fascinating. Um, and I hope everyone at home enjoyed listening to it too. Uh, we will be back again soon for more discussion and debate on all things innovation and technology. And in the meantime, should you wish to learn more about data, disruption, or any other of the topics we covered today, please visit our website at pwc.co.uk forward slash reimagine. Please subscribe to the series to get all our latest episodes, and don't forget to rate and review. All our past content is available online, so please check it out if you haven't done so already. So until next time, thank you all for listening.